well, maybe maybe even one day we just publish our internal podcast. I'd have to really think about it, but there's nothing on there that's not really. I mean, I was talking to Shanna, and she was asking us, asking me, why not publish it? And the best answer was something you and I had talked about months ago. It was like, it's just no needs that information. Yeah, it's just not all that applicable to really anybody else. You know, it's like you've never put anything that's, I don't want to say proprietary because what really is proprietary, but yeah. there's been very few things in there that's like, we cannot talk about this in public. Do not post about it. No. Now, there's really nothing confidential. We don't talk shit about anybody. Yeah, you're not like, everyone listen to this podcast. Listen to all these partners and how much they suck. Like even <laughs> even the internal one I did the other day about our mission and that person that pissed me off. I didn't mention the company, who they were, no. anything. I don't even think I, I said their gender. I had to ask afterwards, I'm like, all right, who are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. And person. A gender neutral individual. I, uh, yeah, and, and even that. And, and if they heard it, they would know who the fuck I'm referencing. Yeah. <laughs> but... I don't know if that's a problem though. I mean, it's obviously like up to the perception you care to have, but I'm just, I'm getting to a point now. And especially as our business grows, I am just caring. I'm just, I guess I'm just starting to understand myself as an individual more and understand, I'm starting to understand my thoughts and beliefs a little bit more. And I just don't care as much about what other people think. Sure. I think there's a, there's a strategic way to do what we need to do, change the industry. Mm -hmm. But some people are not going to like us ever, no matter how I craft the message. So I'm just to a point where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to keep pissing people off. If they don't like it, they don't like it. I don't care. I don't care. Well, I think that there is something about having come into like starting this company at a certain age and a certain life stage because it's possible that you could have started this and you were really, really cautious that it's like, I'm really trying to meet my name, you know, and you're like, well, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. So I'll, I'll kind of keep my thoughts to myself and really just, you know, do what anyone, do whatever anyone asks me to do and just be like, okay, you're right. That's a good idea. Well, you could do that. It, I could, but it was less like, well, it was less of that. I was just doing my thing early on. And then I started just getting kicked in the nuts. I mean, just squarely in the nuts quite a few times over in the first year about stuff I'd say, or I, you know, didn't want to do this. And it's it just all, a bunch of bad stuff happened. And I was a little too brash and brazen and outspoken about certain things. I just didn't, I don't think I had the maturity or intelligence and experience to understand how to deliver the message in a way that resonated with most people. I was just, I was just kind of like beating my chest a lot. So I think I'm a lot more refined today and I can more effectively deliver the same message I was trying to deliver a few years ago. Nothing's really changed in that regard. No. But, and now we have a bigger platform, which is very cool. And as the company becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, I'm going to have more credibility. And these companies with what we're creating, they're going to need us more than we're going to need them, frankly. And that puts us in a very powerful bargaining position or not even a not even a bargaining position just a, a position to i don't have to be afraid of people and if they say we don't want to do business with you that's cool cool like if you don't do if you want to do business with us cool i don't care you don't want to work with us cool 
you don't want to work for us? Cool. Like, I'm just, I'm to the point. Like, you either want to be here or you don't. If you don't want to be here, I'm not going to beg you to be here. Yeah. Well, and I think that's sort of been like a theme we've talked about in the last couple of weeks too, both internally and on this podcast is like, here's what we're working on. Here's what we're working towards. Here is our desired and like envisioned impact on the industry. Here's why that impact is important to us and why it's important to the industry as a whole. Yeah. And like, if you're into that, awesome, let's roll. If you're not into that, awesome. Don't, wor- don't worry about it. Then. No, and it, it applies internally. Yeah. And I just read this book that framed it really nicely for me. It's like, some people don't want to be on a rocket ship. Some people just want to work for a 40-person company that's doing marketing work and having fun. Cool. Like, that's awesome. But that's not where we're we're not staying there. Yeah. We're, 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 a, we're a rocket ship. And if you don't want to be in a rocket ship, I don't blame you, man. It's, it's tumultuous. It's scary. It's, we don't really know where we're going, but it's one hell of an adventure. And it's going to reward you very handsomely if you stay on board. But if you don't want to be on board, cool. That's fine. That's totally okay. And I've had this, um, I've always taken pride in having very, very little turnover as a company because we really have very little turnover. But she framed it as like turnover is not necessarily the best metric at the same time because if your company is is changing and especially changing quickly like we are, people are naturally going to come and go. And that's okay. That's part of the process. And it it's not that, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to be as honest with people as I can. Like, and, and, and she also explained, it's not your responsibility as an employer to worry about people's career development. It's your responsibility to provide opportunity and it's everybody's responsibility to develop their own careers. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and that was a, like a brain blast for me too, is you provide the opportunity, but it's, it's up to individuals to grab the bull by the horns and make shit happen. And if they don't want to make stuff happen, they don't want to make stuff happen. That's fine. Uh, you're, you're, when you're talking about like the career development thing, um, I remember our, when we've, it's always been a challenge for us to hire the right content people for the content team yeah. because like they basically live together on the road. So yeah. like, yeah. it's not just our, how are you with a camera? Like it, that's almost like the last question to ask Correct. or like, that's the first barrier. It's like, we assume you're very good technically. And, um, they talked, they talked to somebody who said, you know, what's the most important part of you wanting to come on here? And they said, I want like a better title or a bigger title or whatever. And they were like Angel and Chell and all them were obviously already very out on that kind of response. But I, that's like the, the missing, and it's not missing. That's a part that's like not a part of the like opportunities and internal career development at BuildWit. Like nobody here cares about titles, man. No. I, I did ask if I could be like super executive podcaster and you're like, yeah, whatever, do it. it well, titles are important to people. I understand that. And it does allow you to create some hierarchy, which I think is important in an organization. Sure. A flat organization doesn't work all that well. I think there needs to be a chain of command. Mm-hmm. And I've reversed course on my thinking on that. I used to just not, like, used to be at a point where I don't care. I don't care what anybody does, anything like that. Like, I'm just I'm just here to do what everybody else is doing. But I, I have recognized, okay, there is importance in the chain of command. Um, but yeah, the other side of it is that's just so low on the list of priorities. Well, yeah, I I don't necessarily, I'm not poo-pooing the idea of um, any sort of hierarchy or like responsibility chain. 
important. No, it's like, what's important to Chaw? I was talking to Chaw. And we just, we're working on this documentary right now that's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. Pretty incredible. And I hope they'll let us share it. It's a story of uh, Aaron <laughs> Witt, and it is 25 parts. Each part's an hour. You're going to yeah, love it. Yeah, one, one day. Yeah, one per year. <laughs> but it's, it's we've, we've just taken our ability, like, we, we, it feels like we just stepped up four different notches over the, like, a snap of the fingers. Yeah. And I haven't been all that involved in video anymore. So there's been a lot of work to get from where we were to where we are today. But even Chell was just like, yeah, no, I'm pretty excited about it, but just wait till the next one. Like now we kind of, we, we just learned a lot and we just figured a lot out. So the next one, now that we somewhat know what we're doing now, it's going to be so much better. And the, the, the one that they're working on is not even done yet, but that's, these guys are, they're just so hungry. They're so hungry to stay on top and keep beating themselves. Like they're, they're, they're met, your, your, their yardstick. So their last video, that's the competition. And they're trying to get better and better. And, and they're just hungry. They're hungry. In a creative group, I think like the the like perfect balance is like if you can really well, I don't want to say balance again. If you can get a really good balance between um like impact and art. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, that's what they're saying, like, oh man, wait till the next one. That's yeah. gonna be incredible. Yeah. He's not saying that because we got a couple of really good framed shots and we're just going to put it together and it's going to do a lot of business work. It's not just that. Yeah. It's also because like, this is going to be beautiful and tell a very good story. It's going to be compelling. It's going to further. Our and mission. then it does what it's supposed to do from a, like a business perspective. Correct. And like, I think that's like a lot of like our creative team. That's like sort of like the juice is like, we're able to work on things from like a, like an art kind of heart perspective of just like, you know, I'm using all that my experiences and my tastes to make something that is great in my eyes. That also like tells the story and furthers our mission and like does all these things. Well, yeah. And, and drives the business. Yeah. And, you know, drives the business financially, furthers our mission and fulfills them from a creative standpoint. I think that's like a very, very good combination right there. Yeah. And so we need all, all three of those things. Yeah kind of be floating in and out of each other's like experience um and you can't you can't do that if anything's like too rigid or if, you know what i mean like we we kind of have to have some sort of flexibility and freedom to do that work or if it's never going to be you know i mean the amount of times i've heard chell or just people on the video team say wait till the next one it's like every video we put out no it's it and i freaking love that it's awesome i love that it's so cool yeah yeah it's it's exciting what's going on you know, the the video team will post, you know, like a preview link to a, the next thing they're working on. And Dan is almost always the first person to respond. And he's always says, wow, this is the best one. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, good. This is, we're going in the right direction. Well, it's like Christmas morning every time there's a new video for Dan and I, because it's just, it's it's still funny. It used to be us making all that happen. And now we have nothing to do with it. And now... Like, I don't even know what videos are in the works right now. Yeah. I don't even know where the content team is going this week. I have no clue. I have no idea. I just worry about myself now um, in the just the gr or greater organization. But it's... You want me to publish that clip out of context? I just worry about myself? Yeah. Okay, I'll put it's that... It's all about me. It's, that's the whole podcast. You can just use that soundbite. <laughs> me, 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 me. Hey, y'all, we've got a bonus podcast episode for Dirt Talk. And it's one second long, and it's Aaron saying, all I care about is myself. Yes. Yes. Oh, Lordy. Well, 
We got a couple of good questions today. Okay. One of them is actually from a uh, BuildWit teammate, but it's just like a great question for this podcast. So we're going to go ahead and do, do cool. it. Cool. Not on the internal podcast. Um, but I will jump on to a different question first because you were talking about, uh, you read a book recently and this uh, follows that. This is from Christian. He says, what are some good books to start off reading for someone that is not a huge reader? Being a business owner myself, life isn't all as good as we put it out to be. I know Aaron is a very positive person and has a great outlook on life. So I'm just looking for some suggestions for books to begin reading as I've gotten out of a relationship and my mind wanders. On a positive note, here's a photo of my CTL for Aaron. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm putting that in the show notes because this Hell is great. Yeah. Sweet. I, I think anybody that doesn't read is making a huge mistake. It's just a, or, or just missing out on so much potential information. And that's one of the common threads between every great business person I've ever been around is they, they read and they study other people. It's without a doubt how you accelerate your learning curve in life and how you get ahead faster than everybody else and how you avoid costly mistakes. And if you're not doing that, you're you're just, you're missing out and you're moving so much slower than you could be otherwise. And you're not exposing yourself to new thoughts and ideas as effectively as you can be. And there's just so many benefits to it. So I, I made a habit thanks to 75 hard Andy Frisella. I I've always read, but now I've created a daily habit where I read 10 pages a day, 10 pages a day, period of self-development of biographies of business type books. Right now, we're getting ready to start hiring pretty aggressively again. So I've been reading a lot of books on hiring practices, on HR practices, on culture practices, and I've been putting a lot of really, really good thoughts together in in that realm, which has been very helpful for me. Um, the books I'd start with, like, man, we we've talked about a lot, but Extreme Ownership by Jocko and Leif, so good. So good. That's a fantastic, fantastic book. Some of the other books that have really helped inform the business are Uncontainable by Kip Tyndall, Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey, uh, Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard, uh, No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings. The book I just read was powerful. Patty McCord, she was the chief talent officer for Netflix. Cool. Fantastic book. That's two Netflix books on that list, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're a pretty impressive business from a people standpoint, culture standpoint, yeah. talent standpoint. Um, so that's what I would start with. I'd go out and buy Extreme Ownership or go read whatever you want to read. I don't know. We read a lot of books, though. Yeah, I mean... Everybody Matters. Reading is Chapman. a discipline. You know, like you you can't just like fall into... And some people like would maybe say, no, I, I've, I easily read a lot of books all the time. It's like, yeah, because you have spent a lot of time reading books. It kind of fulfills itself. Yeah. But to like go from no reading to reading, like like anything else takes like real discipline to be like, okay, I'm going to read, you know, this many pages. Well, you, have to, you have to frame it differently too. I view it as one of my like essential responsibilities as a business owner. And I view it like I work out every day to make my body healthy. Yeah. I need to read every day to go to like my little mental gym. And if I'm not going to my mental gym, my mind's not getting stronger. And your, your mental trainer is going to be really pissed. And so, you know, you always got to want to show up for your mental gym. Yes. Another book, Winning by Tim Grover. That's a punch in the gut, man. Hell yeah. That's a 
or Relentless by Tim Grover. I mean, if you want a sobering, if you're in a weird space mentally, read Relentless by <laughs> Tim Grover. It's a bitter pill, but goddamm, I've so, never read anything like guy. it. Yeah, it'll make you run through a wall. So those are some of the first books that came to mind. You know, you were talking a little bit about like, as a business owner, you kind of see the importance of reading and, you know, a lot of highly successful people um, are on record as reading a lot, as being part of kind of their daily whatever. Um, we've talked about this maybe on the internal podcast before. Um, I'm going to use the word input here, not from not talking about feedback, but just like the literal like word input. So if you want to have like good output, if you want to in increase the quality of like your output into the world, whether it's your art or your uh, work in your job or like the, the work with your family, like what you're doing with your family, like you have to also experience input to like bring that out of you. Cause like, of course, like, you know, if you ring out a rag, eventually there's more water in it. You got to add more water in order to bring more out. And so I think like when we talk about reading, like, for, you know, to kind of improve like your either business acumen or just like your understanding of like the dynamics of like you're saying you're reading read a book about like hiring practices and thinking about that right now. It's like you could have hired people without doing any of any of that reading, but like by reading it, that's like going to increase your acumen for the decisions you have to make going forward as a business leader. Yeah, but but just life in general. Yeah. Uh, like the quality of your life a lot of times is dictated by the quality of uh, your ability to communicate with individuals. How do you become a better communicator? By reading, uh, really, that's how you improve being able to communicate thoughts, form thoughts, articulate thoughts. That's how you become a better speaker. That's how you become a better leader. Yeah. That's how you become a better friend, spouse. It's It applies to everybody. Well, you know, and like the best writers all say, well, yeah, I just like read constantly. That's like part of their thing. Yeah. You know, it's like if you, if you want to, you know, just be a better friend, be a better husband, be a better, um, you know, boss, be a better employee. Like, but the big, the big thing with reading too, I feel like I don't like audiobooks. I'm not a big audiobook fan. Okay. Um, that's a side swipe at podcasts, by the way. Kind of, but not really. Audiobooks, it's like a convenience thing. And I think they make people feel, feel good about consuming. Wow. I've you know listened to X amount of books and it's just so much more efficient but I don't think books should always be efficient at the same time. I think there is value in slowly reading 10 pages and actually thinking about it and digesting it and thinking about how it applies to your life and challenging your own beliefs and sitting there pausing and you read something and saying, do I agree with this or do I not agree with this? And okay, I don't agree with this. Why don't I agree with this? And using it to create legitimate thought and value for yourself. So that's why I like reading. And I always read with a pen. I always mark up. I always write notes in books. I don't know if I ever really read reread them again. But every single book I've read, there's shit all throughout all the pages. And it's a slow process. But that's where I think the most value is. Or I'll just close the book and I'll just sit for 10 minutes and think. I like you talking about writing down you know, notes or whatever from what you're reading, even though you probably don't go revisit it. Like there's all kinds of research that like supports the idea of you learn something best by just writing it down. Yeah. None of what I'm saying is 
anything revolutionary. What's this is all very obvious shit that people have, have figured out for thousands of years. It's just I'm telling you, I've met a lot of very accomplished people, and look at anybody in history, any president, Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, anybody that's done anything in the world, they are very well read. Yep, they're very well read. It is a common thread between everybody that's done anything in, in the world. Well, nobody uses well-read as a uh, pejorative. No. Usually m- means something good. Yes. Uh, well, thanks for reaching out, Christian. Hopefully that's helpful. Maybe I can send him a book. Sure. That might be cool. Send him extreme ownership. Yeah, easy. Okay, uh, last question. It's from Build With's very own Shana, Shana Armstrong. She says, Hi, Alex. You're doing such a great job on the podcast. Thanks, Shauna. You're a real you're, gem. That's why you read it, huh? That's the only reason. There's actually no question. It was just that. She says, how are companies going to be able to deliver on the huge infrastructure bill? And if materials are so expensive, will it be difficult for many companies to find budget to hire people to do the work? Does it become a choice between going into de- in, to going into debt to deliver or sitting and trying to wait it out? Uh, infrastructure bill is interesting. Um, is it going to actually make its way through? Who the hell knows? Who knows? Are they going to be able to finance it? Who the hell knows? Is an infrastructure bill primarily for infrastructure? Answer is no. It's not like yeah. a $2 trillion bill goes to $2 trillion of roads. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And most of that money, a lot of that money gets caught up in a lot of bullshit, which is a huge bummer. Um. And then it takes years for that money to make its way out. I mean, it's, it's, you're talking about the federal government. Yeah. The federal government is not very good at anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Historically, the answer to that is nothing. Yeah. But the funny thing about this infrastructure bill is everybody's already maxed out from a, a contractor perspective. And so you want to bring all of this new money and work online. There's, n- there's no one to build it. Um, if we go into a recession, the economy slows, private sector slows, it'll be super beneficial because then contractors can switch for more private works right now, which I think there's a lot of private work going on right now, mm-hmm. switch to more public works, which is like how we largely got out of the depression, for example, was, hey, why don't we just build the whole interstate system and invest in infrastructure and go... Build a lot of dams. Build dams, sure. Um so I think it'll be beneficial if the economy slows, but if the economy doesn't slow, it's a huge problem. And I know DOTs right now, they're not, some of them aren't letting work because they know it's not going to be able to get built based on current capacity that contractors have. And contractors are turning opportunities down for the first time ever. I don't know. I don't, it, I think the question is, and we just had a room full of construction executives the other day in Nashville. The consensus is who the hell knows? about all of this. No one knows. No one knows what the impact of the labor market is going gonna, is gonna to be like long-term. No one knows what the economy is looking like long-term. No one knows what material prices are going to be doing long-term. It seems like all materials are going up and it's not going to be slowing down anytime soon. So it's just a reality or you can't get pipe for three months now. Okay, like that's yeah. just that's just what you're doing. I think everybody's trying to figure out what the hell do I do? Because I don't know. I've been able to order pipe and it shows up two days later. Now I have to wait three months. The hell? How do I, how do I make a, how do I do this? How do you plan for anything? Uh, yeah. So that, so that's the thing. I, I really don't know about all this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I can I can tell you that all of the smart construction executives I know right now are a little wary. Sure. They're not thinking they're on top of the world right now, even though they're coming off of a record year, most likely, which is interesting. They're looking to a strong next year, but they're, there's a definite sense of unease amongst the really smart ones and the really successful ones long-term I've seen. Like the idea that this can go away and it feels like it might. Yes. They see it as, yeah, there's some strong headwinds. The economy is not as healthy as people think it is. And there's a lot of uncertainty for what the future holds. And so they're not drunk on success right now because they know that that can go away tomorrow. It's really interesting. You start just watching people and watching people that have won for a long time, you can start to learn a lot from just observing. Well, and generally the people who have won for a long time, it's not because they stuck to the way they did stuff right when they started winning. No. Like they had to be adaptable. No, they've had to adapt. And you stick to your like principles and then adapt where you need to. Well, and that's what I've done. Me as a young business owner, I started in started the company in 2018. 2018, great year to start a company. Sure. I mean, it's been it's been a really, really good time for a long time now. Yeah. U.S. has had it very, very good. COVID kicking the nuts to some industries, travel, hospitality, um, food service. But you look at the S&P, everything's been just moving right along. People have con- been consuming as much as they've, they've always have. And Spending money somewhere. It's, it's been really odd how it's broken broken down so we haven't really gone through a like significant full bore recession since 2008 2009 2010 yeah and when i was it was 2008 2009 2010 i was end of middle school going into high school i didn't understand how that impacts the world and i was in a place and i grew up in a world where people weren't all that impacted frankly so I've never had to live through it. I've never had to manage anything like that, but I've been able to go to other people that have lived through it and have did have to slog for years and years and years and did have to give up everything they had personally to make the business survive and say, what'd you learn? How'd you figure it out? So at least, yeah, I haven't lived through it, but at least I can somewhat mentally prepare. And so you can learn from others. And then another thing I've learned from Andy Frisella is, just focus on what you can control and you just get your mind to a strong, strong place and your body to a strong, strong place. Focus on what you have right in front of you. Because then when those headwinds do come, when that change does occur, when things do go south, you're ready to, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. You're looking at it as opportunity, not as this big problem that you need to overcome challenge. It's no, it's, this is opportunity and we're going to make this happen. So, I don't know. I think that's what I'm trying to get at is I don't know what all this is going to do. I don't know how it's going to impact the industry long-term and the industry doesn't know. Yeah. I think that's like the biggest thing I'm, I'm kind of learned from this conversation is that like, it's not like you need to do more research into people in the industry. It's like, no, everyone is the majority of people are saying like, yeah, we're not really sure. Yeah. And everybody's dealing with it Yeah, across the entire country. Everybody's dealing with labor right now. Everybody's dealing with parts availability and and equipment availability right now. Everybody's dealing with materials taking fucking forever. 
it's across the board, across the board. It's not one region. It's everybody right now. But so, the, the question is, it's like, what can you learn from this? How can I operate my business better? What were my blind spots? Shit, maybe I shouldn't rent as much as I should have. Or maybe I should create a really kick-ass relationship with that one rental company in town that, that has always been there for us so that when things do get tight, I'm in, in the you know front of the line rather than everybody else. Or I don't know. Maybe there's abilities to hedge on materials or buy a gravel pit or I think there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, our industry just needs a lot more people in it. I wonder sure. if we're going to work on anything like that to bring more people into the dirt world. We're working on it. Well, you know, we're working on it. Um, well, I think that is a uh, Monday podcast, Aaron. Okay. Well, I don't know if that was at all inform uh, informative, but thanks for listening. Otherwise, Alex's voice made it through the entire episode. Yeah, just barely. Just barely. If you have any other questions, send them to dirttalkabuild.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until the next episode, stay dirty, everybody. Thanks, y'all.